All right, guys, here we go. Nord East Podcast, huge episode. We finish our Dark Knight trilogy rewatch. It's going to be must-listen at the end of the episode. We recast Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory because guess what? They're trying to make that all over again. Lots of news, lots of things to talk about. Here we go, Nord East Podcast. And here we go, Nordy's Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan and Jim. How are you guys doing? Doing well, man. Doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing great. That's probably because everyone just got done listening to our sports cast, which was amazing this week. It was a great time to record that. Hopefully everyone checked it out. If you didn't, listen to this one first and then go back and check that one out. Um, but otherwise, we have an amazing podcast for you here as well, our screencast. We have some games. We've got lots of news, and we're going to finish our Dark Knight rewatch. Um, so here we go. Please, please, please give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nordeast Podcast. Also, subscribe anywhere you get your favorite podcast from and get the Nordeast Podcast directly to your phone or your device each and every week. And please, please, please give us that five-star review. We deserve it. Why? Because we have been your best three friends through this entire pandemic. And before. And we will continue to after when we're all frolicking together, breathing in each other's mouths. I can't wait. But mm-hmm. we'll still be with you. Yes, we will still be with you. I have to say, though, I was out at the store today and I thought to myself, you know what? I like the mask thing. <laughs> it I only took you a, a full year, but now you're into the masks. I'm like, I, I'm like, I hope the pandemic ends soon, but I kind of hope people don't stop wearing masks. Because no one cared who I was until I put on the mask. <laughs> what great timing. Thank you for that. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Um, my favorite part is, is that the people that I see that I like know loosely mm-hmm. don't know it's me oftentimes, which is, yes. nice, which is nice. So like if I see like a neighbor or like a, or like a student because I'm a teacher, you know, a lot of times they don't recognize me and I kind of like that level of disguise, mm-hmm. but the people I know can still tell it's me. So then they'll be like, Hey, what's up? How are you? Right. It's great. It's like, being it's kind of nice. That actually played out really well for me the other day. I was picking up Stanley's and some dude that I used to like, he used to bartend there and would for sure talk to me for who knows how long was out front smoking a cigarette. And I knew I had to walk right by him. I leaned into the mask. I looked away a little bit, did not recognize me. I got my food and got the fuck out of there. It was beautiful. Yeah, I'm telling you, it is great. So, and not, and not only that, sorry, just to piggyback on that, when it's a nice cold Minnesota winter day, and you throw the mask on and you leave the store or the restaurants or whatever, and you walk to your car with the mask on, it keeps the face nice and warm, nice and toasty. There is no problem with the mask outside in the winter. It's great. Outside, it also, it also makes it also makes our beards feel completely useless. Mm-hmm. I know the beard is the beard is doing nothing. The mask is ten times better than the beard. I agree. So there we are. We are pro mask for more reasons than one. All right, guys, we are about to head into our uh, segment here of do we care? But before we do that, we are all at home, socially distancing, and we are uh, drinking our own beers. What are you guys drinking tonight? All right, I am bringing it over to Head Flyer, which is a nice Minneapolis brewery. And this is their brand new peanut butter chocolate factory, which I thought was appropriate because more times than once, we will be mentioning Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory on this episode. 
and it's pretty damn good. I mean, I don't know. I might still prefer Lupulin's CPB chocolate peanut butter beer, which is like creme de la creme of this stuff. But this is excellent, excellent beer, and it's cheap too. It's only like 11 bucks for the four pack. So uh, I'm big into this stout. It's tasty, man. Hell yeah. Nice. Well, uh, <clears throat> Eric, you'll appreciate where I'm going to, and that is Arbiter Brewing Company. Um, I'm having their Wit Ever uh, Hazy Wheat Ale. Uh, really solid branding on this. Uh, great crawler price at eight bucks. And a pretty tasty beer. It's got a little bit of that those wheat notes to it, but it definitely is like a hazy ale, and I'm appreciating it very much. Love it. Sweet. All right, guys, I got some weird stuff to drink this week, um, but that's okay because I wanted to uh, get out of my comfort zone. So I went to our friends over at Indeed who make all kinds of fun things, and uh, they did a coconut macaroon cream ale, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, they did a pistachio beer a while back that I was, like, skeptical about, but I bought it. And I actually really enjoyed it. And I think that beer's available year round. That's a great beer. Yeah. And this is a better one than that. Oh. Um, it is sweet. Um, the coconut macaroon cream ale is a sweet beer, but it is the best, one of the best versions of coconut in a beer that I've had. Um, Dangerous Man usually does a pretty good job with their coconut, and indeed their neighbors um, do as well. So instead of it tasting kind of like sunscreen, it, it just tastes like, uh, like coconut. I actually think it's pretty good. Okay. It was $9.99. $9.99. Great price. Second four pack all day. Yeah. All right, guys. Here we go. We're going to go into Do We Care, our first segment where we give you guys all of the news you need to know. We're going to start out with the biggest news of the week. Chris Nolan and Warner Brothers are officially breaking up. Really? Yep. They've that was... that they are not making movies with each other anymore. Wow. They have been – that has been a partnership since – insomnia or something like that maybe he had he had done a couple indie movies before that memento? um what's up is insomnia before memento uh memento yeah, was first, I don't know that's was not a tv though. i don't think so yeah yeah that's crazy chris nolan warner brothers no more he's a free agent especially because he would like just be like yeah you guys don't need to know a whole lot about the movie but it's about uh world war ii <laughs> yeah like, here's 150 they million him incredible freedom, incredible budgets, trusted him with, you know, writing, directing, producing. I hope he finds a partner as good as WB has been to him. Where do you, where do you imagine him going? Um, God, he probably will get, he might get a contract with like Netflix or something, which is crazy these days, but it's possible. I think that the best move would be, um, for him to get a deal with Amazon. Yeah. That's what Amazon should do. That's what they should do, yeah. They should say, yep. Nolan, how about this? Um, we're going to go uh, 10 movies, $3 billion. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, they could. That's not a bad idea. Lock him up. They could easily do that. They could just do whatever they wanted. Boom, gone. Chris Nolan. He'll probably go to like, he'll probably do stuff with Paramount or something. Because there's really like, movie studios are shrinking. There's not that, they're all being bought up. Fox is no more. Fox is Disney. Um, it's crazy. I don't see him working with Disney, so I don't know. Crazy. WB seemed like the fit, baby. Seemed like the fit. Yeah, I mean, he's he's one of those weird guys that I think still believes in the theater. Yeah. Like in, in the power of, in a non-COVID year, still believes in the power of the box office. And he, 
you know, bemoaned. I think I think this is what happened. He bemoaned Warner's for their what they did with Tenet um, in you know the year of our COVID last year, 2020, and I think it was just sort of like Warner's had, had enough of them at that point. Um, but I agree. I think I think he's going to end up with a non-streaming um, only studio, if that makes sense. I think he I think he's still one of those guys that like needs the Dolby surround sound, you know, experience for him to like really, you know, he's not going to spend all that money on like the interstellar soundtrack of a, of a guy in a church in England with the organ, you know, recording it with 75 microphones to pipe it into his movie um, for you to listen to it on your, you know, 38 inch TCL TV at home. I think he, he really believes that the theater provides the best, uh, you know, movie going experience for his film so i think i think paramount is a great example he can i think he's gonna end up with with at least a, a big studio not named netflix okay. um i think you're they're probably right i actually think you're right i he think because he's pissed that wb did the deal with hbo max where all the movies are going straight to them so there well, you go exactly i think that's why he was mad but yeah i think that uh it's really easy to say that it's like i'm like i would never cheer for the packers ever i'm a vikings fan nothing could change that and then if someone came to my house and was like Here's $10 million to be a Packer fan. I'd have all green and gold on tomorrow. It's like. Wow. And you'd be off the pod. (laughs) The pod would have some new funding. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You'd be king of the pod. (laughs) Um, No, they. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He just got $10 million, Jimbo. We're not kicking him off. (laughs) Not the time to bring Kaiser there. He's like, he's like, yeah, I hate things should be in movie theaters. And then Paramount's like, yeah, we'll give you $50 million to do 10 movies. And then Netflix is like, we'll give you half a billion to do 10 movies. Yeah. And you can do them whenever you want, and we won't even check in with you. And he's like, movies were meant to be watched at home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. I'm, I, changed, I changed my middle name to Streaming. My middle name yeah. is now Streaming. Christopher Streaming Nola. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Um, so – Next up, we have Thor 4 news. So Karen Gillen, is that her name? Karen yep. Gillen, uh, who played Nebula, is uh, set to be in Thor 4. And Matt Damon is also going to be in the movie. He had a small part in one before. Um, I don't know if this means anything, but I can't get more excited about this movie. Uh, as long as we have Taika back, right? Taika's yep. back. Taika's writing and directing. It's going to be great. They could put anyone in the movie, and I would think it was going to be great. Yeah, they absolutely could. He could star. He could play every role. He could play Thor. He could be like, I've recast myself. I'm going to be Thor, and I'll be like, Yes, yes, it's going to be great. Because you know he's going. He's awesome. So this does tell us that not only are they leaning into the Guardians of the Galaxy connection, they're going all the way. They're bringing in not even all the the most exciting Guardians. I mean, I don't think anybody's like when I think of Guardians. Boy, my list, my favorite, got to start with Nebula. You know, and yeah, then I bring in Groot after that. So um, they're going all in. Yeah, I love it. I can't wait. Um, the more names that get put in, the better. Uh, and I love Matt Damon when he plays silly roles, and that's what this is definitely going to be. So, yeah, here for it. All right, other news with HBO here. We have Game of Thrones. They've announced a Dunkin' Egg series, um, and that was based on um, the, what, Targaryens? No. So egg Aegon Targaryen is egg. Aegon. So remember like the old man at the the Night's Watch guy? Yeah, he no he was at the Yeah, he was at the Night's Watch, yeah. That's him. He was 
the maester of the Night's Watch. Man. He was quite the adventurer, but he was not like a fighter. So he hung out with this dunk guy who was like the the dude, like a giant fucking freak of a man that like won every tournament and they just got into all these crazy adventures and shit. Um, and so I never read those books. I read the main five of the series uh, and I didn't read the, the tales of Duncan egg. So I don't know much about it, but I mean, it's people really love them. Um, I understand it's probably going to be pretty good source material, probably more like a, I can imagine this more of like, Hey, this is three seasons front to back, or maybe even a season, you know, this probably isn't like, let's go see how long we can go with this. I think that the cool thing with universes on television is going to be their ability to tell a huge story through a bunch of short stories. And so I think that like, there's going to be always like a series or two that goes long-term. And then there's going to be a bunch of one season series that add on to the story. And Disney is, has is locked in on this plan. They got it. Yeah. I assume everyone is going to follow suit here. So Thrones is definitely the universe now of HBO. And I think that they are going to dive in and do the same thing. That would be cool. And this would be perfect for that. I can see this two or three seasons though. I mean, it, the book was long and it was three different big stories, you know, would Duncan egg tie into Robert's rebellion at all. Um, because, like, I think so. I, I, asked, I, I asked from the perspective of like, are they trying to build a prequel universe? Mm. They could. I know that Dunk and Egg were like really pivotal in like one. Remember when like the, one of the kings went super crazy? One of the the Targaryen kings. It wasn't the Mad King. It was like one before that. Um, it was um. It was actually like the remember Heron Hall that was like melted and burned down and all fucked up. Yeah. No one knows what happened there, really. Like, like what happened inside the castle? Duncan Egg were in there, mm-hmm. so I guess in that regard, we'll find out what happened there. We're gonna get that. Yeah, that'll be cool. I think they're gonna. I, it feels like they're they're building up to like a prequel universe, and yeah. we're eventually gonna get Robert's Rebellion and every everything that happened leading right up to Game of Thrones. Like, the, it might be like a, a Better Call Saul, you know version of of what they're trying to do okay. dude i do need to see robert baratheon in his prime with the fucking warhammer smashing the rubies out on the trident that would be cool yeah that'd be awesome um so here's my thing i think that prequels always sound bad to me because going into the past means getting rid of technology okay so just in general I'm always, I always think like a prequel It's going to be in the past. It's going to have worse technology. That's going to be more boring. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But there is no technology. There's not going to be, there's nothing. To 1500 years ago. Yeah. It's going to feel any different. Yeah. This is going to feel exactly the same as the regular thing did. And so I can't wait. And I would guess that they're going to bring in the best of the best people to write and direct and film and do these shows because it has to hit. You know what? Remember Maesters? Yeah. The Maesters, what a worthless group of people. Yeah. Over thousands, tens of thousands of years, they can't invent fucking anything. Nothing. They suck. What do they do? They don't do shit. The only good one was the bad guy. High Walker Denier. That's it. Kyburn was like the only good one, but he was doing evil shit. Kyburn was innovative. Yes. Yeah. He was trying. He was was like, Bringing people back from the dead, killing dragons, got wildfire buried under every fucking place, and King Landing. He was kind of, 
I mean, like, I know people ripped that scene when he shot the dragons out of the sky, but, like, he was – they were launching things at those dragons. It was wild. Kyber. He was, meanwhile, we got, like, Sam was like, oh, I'm going to go read some books at this really big library. Sam's like, what's up with this dra- this dragon glass? Like, what the hell? Why? Like, he spent how many seasons thinking about that? That didn't even – they didn't hardly even use it. <laughs> they like mined it for like two episodes and then like didn't do anything. Oh, All right, let's move on. Writers. James Bond officially coming out in October. That tells me that the 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 rich people who fund movies believe that we will be able to be back in movie theaters sometime around October. They're thinking everyone's going to be vaccinated now that Joe Biden's been elected president. I think everyone's going to be vaccinated in the summer. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, once we get like like my parents are 65 and older and they're getting vaccinated this week, um, old, you know, old folks homes, nurses, like every nurse I've seen is posted, you know, like they're good to go. Once a lot of these people and the vulnerable people have it, we will be able to open up quite a bit and start to get rolling towards that, even though it may be 40 percent of a, you know, a younger, healthier population hasn't gotten it yet. I think we'll still be moving towards opening with very little risk. Which is kind of cool. Like, yeah, I think it's all coming together. Well, uh, if you're asking yourself, when can my kid go back to school in person? Um, my, I got a note from my district. This isn't ripping my district. This is just coming from the state. My district got um, vac- a bunch of vaccines. They got 25 doses. <laughs> <laughs> they just gave it to the delivery drivers because they're yeah. like, let's not even set anything up. 25 doses, so might be a little while still, but yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, uh, Minneapolis is going back to in person learning on February 7th, there, just FYI. Ooh. Yeah, my kid, uh, March 1st, in person. All right, um, Godzilla versus Kong trailer. What'd you guys think? Are you guys excited about this? Do you care about this this monster I, universe? No, I don't, I don't care about the monster universe. I thought the trailer was pretty cool, like, I'm, I'm. <laughs> Listen, I know it's silly. It's a dumb story. I don't care about Godzilla. I don't care about King Kong. However, in like the guilty pleasure category of like, I know I shouldn't like this, but I probably am going to. Mm -hmm. Godzilla versus Kong is right in there for me. Um, Yeah, I thought the trailer looked pretty dumb. I don't know. I mean, some of the effects were probably going to be kind of cool. I don't know what it is. You'd think that, like, seeing giant creatures fighting in a city would be more exciting, but it's just, like, it's so CG that it's sort of like, I don't know, it kind of bores me a little bit. Eric, did you Uh, watch the trailer? I watched half of it before I got bored. Okay. (laughs) Um, I just, you know, they're... Universal really is trying to, they, you know, they're trying to cash in on this like monster universe they have, whether the monsters are big or they're the invisible man or they're Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde or the mummy. They're trying to wrap all this up. Dracula, they'll get that in there. Um, I don't really know if any of it's going to work. I guess I, 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 can't, I can't, I can't disagree with you at all. Like, here's what I, I like I to totally... It's coming to. HBO Max. HBO, yeah. I'm gonna watch it day one and just be like, meh. I mean, this is really lame because I don't believe like you know I watch I watch Batman just take poor people who have been 
poor and mentally ill people who've been recruited to a life of crime. And he takes their faces and absolutely spikes them into the pavement and into metal bars, killing them most likely, or at least destroying the rest of their life. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. And then I watch two monsters fight each other to the death. And I'm like, this is sick. Yeah. Why are we making these creatures fight to the death? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know why, but it just bothers me. Like, I'm like sad. I'm like, I don't want to see those two animals kill each other. We should well, leave me. That's the thing. Like the, the, the big poster is like one will fall. No, it won't. They're not going to kill either of these monsters. They're trying to make like 15 more Godzilla movies and 15 more King Kong movies. And plus all these cities are going to be demolished over some kind of misunderstanding because both of these are hero monsters. You know, they will be in the end. So the whole th the movie is probably just going to blow, but I will watch it. I guarantee you that. I think the other thing is, is I just constantly think to myself, why didn't they just send in a bunch of planes that are flew, were flying super high or just launch missiles like crazy from across the globe and just blow them? They do that, and then it always like blows up on their skin, and then they're fine. Like they, they show that kill these fucking right? things. <laughs> I don't know. I just think one of these bullet holes would get infected or something, but I no, they're fine. I can't do it. Right, I don't <laughs> care. Um, the leading the leading military generals like, no, we shot him two times. At least one of those bullets, he's going to get sepsis. He'll be down in like three months. <laughs> now we wait. Now we wait. <laughs> I mean, in reality, like here's my thing. How come they couldn't just take some kind of chemical that we knew was going to poison them and just shoot them with things that they didn't even realize they were being shot with and they just barely pierce the skin and then within a week, the thing is just rotting from the inside and dies? Uh, yeah, that sounds great. That's, I oh, don't that's, understand it. I think you just that's ruined the movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's poison. It's <laughs> kind of psychotic, if you ask me, but sure. Dude, why don't we take one big banana and we poison it and we give it to King Kong? He eats it. We're good to go. Um. All right. Uh, so speaking, let's get away from that. Completely ridiculous. Move on. I can't, yeah, I can't believe it at all. Let's get to something more believable. All right, Jurassic World Dominion is uh, concluding. This will be the final movie of this franchise. Um, have you guys watched any of them? I watched yeah, the I watched first. They're bad. Reboot. I watched the first one too. Wasn't that the one where there was like the Tyrannosaurus Rex is the good guy now, but there's a super Tyrannosaurus Rex who's even bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this movie's called Jurassic World Dominion. I have a prediction that they're going to really falsify all their box office numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's so stupid. No, that was great. Yeah, this I don't care about this movie at all, man. Chris Pratt needs to not waste time on this series. Do something I different. I care that they're done with the series, though. Like, if this okay. is going to end the franchise, like, put it to bed. We'll be done with it. Well, there'll be something like, else in Jurassic Park, but maybe it'll be better, you know? Do you want to? Do you need another Jurassic Park movie in your life for any um, reason? Sure. I mean, you know, you get some kind of good filmmaker and with a new idea, it could be great. We could all be psyched on Jurassic Park movies at some point. They're going to keep making them forever. I doubt it. This isn't it. I don't want a sequel to Dominion. I don't want Dominion Two. So I'm glad it's over. Um. All right. Let's go to uh, a show we all liked. One of our uh, nominees for show of the year that was the boys season three is going to have some kind of wild event what's happening what do we know about it 
<laughs> so the uh, the filmmaker, you know, the the producer director guy, um, shared like a, a an image of one of the scripts, and it was it said right on there like hero hero gasm, which I never read these comic books. I don't think you guys have either. They're very like gross, right? Like that's why the show is so hardcore with sex and violence and everything, um, because the source material. So apparently everybody, when he started making this show movie, everybody that knew or the show, everybody that knew about it was like, are you ever going to do hero gasm? I bet you won't. And he's like, you know, challenge accepted. It's coming next season. So hero gasm apparently is like every year, all the superheroes get together in like a, like a convention yeah. and they have a massive super orgy. So, it seemed like people said, hey, this is unfilmable. You can't do it. You you know, it's not going to make sense in the story. And he's like, challenge accepted. We're doing it. So like uh, Homelander is getting with some. And so what we see in the show is like the top seven or eight soups. Right. Right. Well, there's so many more in the comics, apparently. Again, I, I'm, I'm with you, Jimbo. Haven't read it. Haven't looked at it. But like apparently there's there's soups by the hundreds. Hundreds. And so right. they, have, they have this convention, and so all of the soups get together and and uh, you know make a little whoopee and have a good time. So yeah, we're gonna it's see. Gonna it. be awkward and weird. Yes, it will. <laughs> and I I'm excited for it. Like I'm excited for the entire season. All right. Uh, in other news, um, we talked about Lupin, which is a French show. Um, kind of along the lines of Sherlock Holmes. Did either of you guys check it out at all? Nope. I have. It's still on my list. So Lupin is uh, about to outperform Queen's Gambit on Netflix, which um, wow. shows you just how popular it is. Um, I think that's definitely saying something considering the show is a show that's in French. So it's definitely worth checking out, but uh, it's obviously doing well. It's a really popular show for Netflix. Um, mm -hmm. All right, and then finally... Uh, news of a new Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie. We just got a reboot like six years ago, and uh, we're getting a second one. Um, and the studio is looking at Tom Holland and Timothy Chalamet um, as the two people they want to be Willy Wonka. Ah, uh, like a young... So this is not a reboot. This is a prequel. This is him... As, you know, this young inventor trying to, to invent some new stuff to start a chocolate factory, maybe building the chocolate factory, sourcing only prime cut, you know, um, Oompa Loompa, getting the best in the biz, you know, probably a casting couch for Oompa Loompas, that situation. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but it's it's not a reboot. It's a prequel. So I don't know. It's not based off Raul Dahl. He's dead and he never wrote it. So. It's it's some screenwriter is going to come up with this. So what they're really trying to do is create a universe. <laughs> Probably wouldn't surprise me. Yes. Um. So that brings us to our game. We're going to do Castaway, and we're going to cast um a reboot, I guess, of just Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So we're going back to the olden days. Now all I have to say is we're not casting everybody in this movie, but there is no Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that I have any interest in unless it's got four grandparents. Head to toe, laying in bed together all day, every day. <laughs> Lazy motherfuckers. My favorite part of the movie is just the four grandparents who 
are from, they're not related to each other. Right. <laughs> they, they live in a bed head to, head to toe and they hardly leave the bed. Like never. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. Grandpa, but they just hang out in bed all day together. I love it. I love it. I wonder so if- we are just to be clear. We're we're re like this is a reboot that we're casting, but this doesn't necessarily have to do. We're not you know we're not casting this new movie. We're casting a full reboot. So we got Charlie, we got Wonka, we got Grandpa Joe, um, and I'm ready when you guys are. I I feel like I have a pretty 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 strong list here. Okay, let's start at the bottom. What's the least important position that we're doing? The bottom. The All mom. Right, mom. All right, who wants to go first? Charlie's mom. All right, okay. so the only like pre-qualification that I can think of is blonde and needs to be able to sing. So I went with Kristen Bell. Okay. Does she sing? She's the voice of uh, Anna in Frozen and does the singing, I know too. Kristen Bell sings, but does the mom sing? And Yes, Cheer Up Charlie. She has the Cheer Up Charlie song. Can you do a like, couple bars of it? I don't know that. Charlie, like that's that's the only like major role she plays is like the the Cheer Up Charlie song. After he did not win, he did not find the uh, golden ticket with the with the one chocolate bar he bought for his birthday. Yeah. Um, this is definitely the least important one. I I gave it to Emily Blunt. I feel like she can kind of she's got a little more pathos to her, and she can, can kind she of be like. The downtrodden single mom, you know. She can't sing. Can she sing? No. She can sing. Dude, she did that Mary Poppins movie and sang like a psycho the whole oh, time. She true. was great. That's true. Yeah. Okay, mine, I, I didn't even know that was a requisite and she can sing. My picture, I didn't know anything about the singing. My pick is by far the worst pick. I picked Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> <laughs> That's just distracting, dude. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna. That's bad. Let's go with. Uh, I'm fine with Kristen Bell. If you right. uh, well, let's see who we cast as as is early. How old is Kristen Bell? Isn't she like 32? Well, oh, they can make it. Oh, she's like 40. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Probably the same age as Emily Blunt. All right, keeping it. Uh, let's go to Slug. What's his name? Slug. Slugworth. Slugworth. Yeah, yeah. Not Slughorn. Not to be confused with Slughorn from Harry Potter. The uh, the. A uh, person from the other candy company who is looking to get the everlasting gobstopper recipe stolen. Um, who'd you guys go with? Okay, I'll go first. Um, coming off of the Dark Knight series, I was like, who's creepy? Cillian Murphy. Creep motherfucker. Ooh, I love he's got it. a creepy face. He's got a creepy vibe. I love it. I think he's my slughorn. Okay, I like it. I don't think he's quite old enough. I went with Christoph Waltz. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Um, the only thing is, like, in, in these movies, like, Slughorn was, like, uh, a silent evil guy. Like, mm-hmm. he was just kind of there for, like, the whispers, you know? Um, he wasn't, he didn't really have a lot of uh, talking parts. So, um, you know, Christoph Waltz is going to be very expensive to not say anything. Well, not say much. Right? In the same movie. They okay, could expand the role. Yeah, yeah. I went with uh, so I was thinking like I wanted my character to be like um, to be like the guy in uh, his dark materials with the snake. Yeah. Okay. But I wanted to be who he's trying to be, Idris Elba. Oh, all right, all right. Same character, like he's kind of like he's smooth and smart, and he's like trying to deceive these kids into getting him the recipe. 
I thought you were going to say you were going with uh, David Schwimmer to like stick with the Friends theme here. But uh, did you guys know that Idris Elba, when he auditioned for The Wire, told everybody and pretend his agent told him, "Pretend you're American." So when he got hired for The Wire, they thought he was straight from like Philly, and he's a straight Brit. Isn't that cool? That is really cool. All right, is there anyone willing to jump ship? Ditch. Yeah. Um. I mean, I like my pick, but I mean, okay, I'm great with Idris too. I'm great with Idris. I would pick, are you good with that, Ryan? What do you think? Should we give Eric one? Sure. After the Jennifer Aniston one, we'll give him the Silva. Jennifer Aniston pick is going to be the worst one of the day. (laughs) Yes, we're not picking her. Also, I feel like this movie could get really white. I know. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm great. You know, maybe that that alone is a reason. Let's go with Idris. He's probably the best pick, anyways, and he brings a little color to this thing, guy. All right, let's. Oh, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna give the black guy a non-speaking role. Good job, Eric. Oh, a good old We're gonna expand the role just for him. All right, so here we go, Grandpa Joe. Who do you? I think I got the best. I think I got the best pick for this. Okay. And I know I don't know if I'm saying the name correctly, but it's David Thulis or Thulis. Yeah. It is. Professor Lupin from yeah. the Harry Potter series. That's who yeah, I picked. Fantastic. He was in a season of Fargo and was just unbelievably good as a bad guy. Um, that's a good pick, but like Grandpa, I mean, you got to have some humor in here, man. You got to have somebody funny. For me, it's Bill Murray. It's kind of a go-to now for like Grandpa age roles, like that are supposed to be like lighthearted roles. And I could picture Bill Murray in a bed with three other people, um, and then hopping out and doing a dance. Like I think it's Bill Murray. Uh, I want to see him in more stuff anyway, so. I went with Christopher Lloyd. He doesn't even work anymore, does he? I don't know. He just seems kind of. All right, I'm going Bill Murray. Because I like the Lupin pick, but he's only 57. Okay. And these are like bedridden people. Yeah, oh, yeah. So and uh, Hollywood Hollywood he's probably at least for 70. Good actors up to make him look older. So, yeah, you're right. Okay, so we got Bill Murray there. Loving that. All right, let's go with Charlie. This is the hardest one. All right, I'll go first again since my pick will be shot down once again. Um, you got Chris. I went with, I went with uh, Jeff for the least important character we've, we all agreed on. Um, his name is Jack Dylan Grazer. Uh, he was in It, and he was also the uh, partially uh, handicapped kid from shazam oh that kid's really good he's hilarious he's kind of old though isn't he yeah he's seven i I thought of him he was one of my guys that i came down to in the finals he might be 17 but he looks like he's like 12 yeah um i'm i i cast a true child this kid is he was born in 2006 so he's i don't know how old he is he's young as hell jacob tremblay don't know. All right. So what's he been in? He was in the Smurfs too. He's been in more shit than that. Though. Oh, he was in the room. Okay. For like with, with Allison Bree. Remember where they're like trapped. Yeah. You told me not to watch that. No, nobody should watch it. It's depressing, scary, and boring. So not a great combo. Um, but Jacob Tremblay is like, you know, he's like a good young actor. He can sing, he can dance. He's like, you know, it's probably the pick. No, nope. but I'm going younger than both of you. Okay. Oh god. 
So we had a 17-year-old. We had a 14-year-old. I'm going 13-year-old Roman Griffin Davis. No one knows who that is. You know, Ryan watched him yesterday. He's the kid from Jojo Rabbit. Oh, wow. He looks perfect to be a little Charlie. That's it. That's, That's it. Great. He's your number one guy. You find him, you clear his schedule, and you book him. He's Charlie. What do you think? He's perfect. He's the best Charlie that's ever been Charlie. He'd be better than the original Charlie, who was kind of a dud. Ryan, you're watching Jojo Rabbit right now. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the per- it's the perfect pick. <laughs> that's what you get when you nail one. You get, Yeah, yeah. No, he's the right one. All right. My pick is not going to win but I'm so excited about it for Willy Wonka, okay? Yeah. My Willy Wonka pick. No one will see this movie if this person is Willy Wonka, but it's probably the only way that I would see this movie, and that is Pete Davidson. (laughs) (laughs) And they don't cover his tattoos. No, he's just like in kind of semi-inappropriate Willy Wonka. Um, I don't hate it. And you just kind of like the whole time you're like, this is the genius. Yeah, this guy came up with all this. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of Jojo Rabbit, my pick for Willy Wonka is Taika Watiti. Oh God, we're done here. I'm not going to say mine. I'm not going to say mine. To play like an eccentric chocolate fa- factory like owner that has to be like personable sarcastic and somewhat funny i thought taika was perfect that's it and he and he directs the movie yep um done it's over i i hate my pick now you know what my pick is sexy priest hot priest i love him too andrew scott like the guy is like he can be goofy and weird and like the almost the weirder he his roles are the better he is so as much as much flack as I've been getting on social media for insert Hemsworth and or Hardy, you have <laughs> yep. picked Hot Priest in some capacity in every recast we've done. <laughs> I want more Hot Priest. We need more, but dude, I mean, Taika is the answer. It, he's absolutely perfect. I was uh, trying to pick. So what I was trying to picture was the guy who could pull off the the cane trick. You know, mm-hmm. with the walking out with the limp and then like do so. He doesn't necessarily need to do the somersault, but like do something to be like, aha, I'm fine. I fooled you all. Like Taika is the guy that can do that. Dude. And plus, then you get that the, the kid back with them and they can they can kind of reunite and work together again. Their chemistry is obviously on point already. I actually might be interested in watching that movie. I would. Especially if he's, especially if he's directing Especially if it's a hard R, hard R rated movie, <laughs> can you imagine that? That'd be perfect. I just know that that it would suck. The movie would be horrible if Pete Davidson was in it. But you would be at least interested. I would. It would get my attention. But yes, I mean, I I just think Tyke is the guy. That's perfect. All right, guys. You know what time it is. It's time to finish up. You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the rewatch. <laughs> Beautiful. And that is our Dark Knight trilogy rewatch. We're finishing it up with the Dark Knight Rises. We've watched it over the last three weeks. Hopefully you guys have been watching it with us. Um, so the first two movies started out with a bang. Um, well, how did this one start? 
Um, or the plane. The plane. It started yeah. with a little bit of Harvey Dent's little funeral. Finger. With Littlefinger, though. I know Littlefinger was in the next scene. So the, the first scene was scenes from Harvey Dent's funeral. Yeah. And then they jumped into the plane thing, which was a big spectacle. And they big practical stunts, which is exactly how Chris Nolan likes to open his movies. When he was with WB. Won't have those when he's with Netflix. Probably not. But uh, all here's my thing. The whole thing was about someone who had like given information and someone who had information on this bomb and mm-hmm. they didn't really explain it. And then at one point they grab a guy who you don't know and then they start like taking his blood and then putting it into someone who looks like him or something. I actually still don't know what that was after watching the whole movie. I don't know. So what they they had they grabbed the dead. Okay, so you guys went forward a little bit. What they did was they had a dead body that they brought onto the plane. They took the scientist, uh, uh, Doctor Pavel, extracted his blood from his arm and put it into the dead body, so that when they ran a DNA test, they would think that Doctor Pavel was dead in the plane crash. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Doctor was the only guy that could take this Wayne Enterprises bomb and turn it into, or, energy. you know, energy machine and turn it into a bomb. Yeah. And, and, and as far as the CIA was concerned, who was uh, Littlefinger's character, he was the, uh, Dr. Pavel was supposed to be the only person on the plane. But they brought the other two guys, which ended up being uh, a Bane mercenary and then Bane himself. Mm-hmm. They ended up being on the plane, but Doctor Pablo was supposed to be the only one on there. As far as that's why he's like, I called it in, and then they transferred the blood so that when the plane crashed and they found him, they could take a DNA sample and say, "Oh, this was Doctor Pablo. He's dead." It's a, it's, it's loose. It's loose. It's, it doesn't. I just necessarily was so worried about the scene looking cool and like introducing Bane that they would just be like, "Whatever, we don't even have to explain it." And that, I mean, it does yeah. make sense. It just was hard to hard to get. Um, really cool. And it was cool. I remember watching it the first time and being like, dang, this is going to be a fucking badass movie. Even though I have no idea what's happening yet, I'm into it. I was into Tom Hardy's voice and the whole thing right away. They put those things on the side of the plane and then the the other plane rose and then the wings flew off of the smaller plane. It was cool. cool Yeah. (laughs) It was cool. And so um, then you get this whole thing where um, there's a party at Wayne Manor and Bruce Wayne hasn't been seen in eight years. Um, not eight years. He hasn't been seen in like a few years. Oh, it Batman, had been eight years. Batman hasn't been Batman. present for eight years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Batman. Yeah, Batman hasn't been present. And then eventually, like after Bruce Wayne like started this energy thing and it flopped, he had disappeared too. Okay. So he's been gone for a while though. He's off the grid and he is like got a big beard and long hair and he's all banged up and he has cru- like crutches and arcane and he's just a mess. Um, and so I actually thought that scene was cool. They introduced Selena Kyle. You didn't know that was her right away. And I think that they did a lot of like fan service stuff in this movie without mm-hmm. giving you a lot of um, confirmation. Um, I mean, they never called her Catwoman. Catwoman. Yeah. That's right. Right. She was. You know, they did a lot of those. They said she was a cat burglar at one point. That was about as close as they got. And so I like all that stuff. Um, her little uh, scene with him and the pearls 
uh, was it was fun. Uh, mm-hmm. I liked all that stuff. And then you get yeah. coming out and realizing he, she has these pearls and his fingerprints. And he goes out to this party for the first time in some time as Bruce Wayne. And I think like that whole scene where he takes her and they're dancing and their little conversation is one of the best parts of the whole movie. Well, what's crazy is I remember that was one of the big poignant moments in the trailer. The oh, yeah. there's there's a storm coming, Mr. Wayne. Yeah. Like that that was like really uh played up in all of the trailers, which I, I agree that it was extremely well done and really set the tone for the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. So the next big part of the movie is probably the action scene at the bank or the stock exchange, right? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Which made no sense, but okay. So they get to the stock exchange and um, Bane and his crew just start shooting people. They are very violent. They're not here to mess around. Um, the plan is obviously grand with people, you know, in trucks outside helping them and they escape on bikes, which I thought was kind of weird. How weird was it that like, how did they get the bikes into the building? They never explained where the bikes came from. They just rode out. Suddenly they just had bikes in the stock exchange, which was very weird to me. Yeah. Um, But they ride out, they take prisoners with them. And then Batman shows up. Um, I thought it was really exciting when the lights went out in the tunnel. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he's by the police and stuff. But then it's just, it's my least favorite thing in superhero movies when you have the, uh, like the police are all after the superhero. And it's just like, they know that these people just robbed the stock exchange and they're suddenly going to call off that mission with hostages and maybe very important hostages to go after Batman. Like, come on. They talked about it. Ugh. That part was ridiculous to me. Well, it's, just, it's a, and it's like it's one guy who's like a, a, a secondary, secondary side character who yeah. has 10 lines in the entire movie, but he's directing the entire police force to go after Batman because he wants to like make his career, you know, or whatever, like make a big public showing of it. Kind of yeah. silly. So we get introduced to Bane and that, you know, before you ever see Bane even really do much fighting, what were your guys' initial thoughts on Bane, his mask, his voice. This time I thought it was silly, unfortunately. I remember watching it and being like, interesting choices for Tom Hardy to use this like super strange accent. I mean, about as weird as it gets. Um, for his his voice going up and down and little thing and a brr, like very really, really weird. I, I don't think I mind the voice or the accent. I think the thing that bothered me was the volume. Like it was like he was speaking into like a children's like microphone thing. And so like yeah. when he would talk, it was like too loud for the scene. Like oh, a kid's karaoke device. Yeah, like, kind of something that, that they did on, I, I know they did it on purpose with the sound balancing because, you know, you have, especially you, with your house, you have the speaker phones, right? Or the um, stereo. Mm-hmm. So you have it like around and usually, you know, if the character is up front, the the voice, the sound will come from there. Whenever he spoke, whether the person was right in his face or 15 yards away, it was the same volume and it was from all directions. So I think that was a choice. It was just a little weird and jarring. I think that the volume was like bothering me, but I thought he looked cool. And I thought, you know, like 
I like how smart of a character he is. Like, I think that was, was, was pretty fun. So, um, mm-hmm. well, I know people rip Bane quite a bit now. It's kind of a joke, but he's, his only real crime is that he's following the Joker. Right. He's a fine villain. Yeah. He's- and not only that, I wonder if, if Tom Hardy had like three versions of Bane's voice and Nolan picked the one that he did. And Christopher Nolan said, no, that's that's how I envision Bane sounding. Was He's wondering why he would shoot a man before throwing him out of a plane. Like, I wonder if, if, if Tom Hardy being British maybe had, like, a couple different versions of this voice. And Nolan went with option A that ended up being in the film. And I don't know if that's Tom Hardy's fault necessarily. Um, all right. Eventually... We have Batman starting to go after Bane, right? Is that kind of after the soccer? Yeah, so they end up, you know, he goes down in the sewers off a of Selena Kyle tip. Mm-hmm. And then he has, then there's that big sewer fight scene on the catwalks. Where she, she sells him out to Bane. Yes. him in there. And then Bane instantly is like, pretty much like, welcome, Mr. Wayne. Yeah, he knows right away. He already knows who he is. And he, it turns out we find out later he knows because... Ra's al Ghul's daughter knows. And the League of Shadows. The League of Shadows knows, which we don't know that yet. Um, that fight scene, I remember being so brutal and awesome and epic. And this time I was like, how many punches can Bane take? Like, he just gets to get punched infinitely with no damage. I think it, it felt a little weird. I think it was. Like, no wonder he won. He doesn't get hurt. I think it was showing you, though, that, that Bruce Wayne was not in shape to be Batman. He yeah. was not a, he was, it wasn't in tip top, tip top form. He was just like an old washed up Batman who just didn't have the power in his punch and just wasn't the same athlete that he was. And he just, uh, and then also, this is also like the knock of Christopher Nolan movies is that there's too much exposition, but it was Bane saying, you fight like a younger man, you know, leaving nothing behind or whatever it was when he, when Batman is just throwing punches wildly like that, those are not the most effective punches when he's just trying to throw haymakers. Right. And the stuff that connected was not, you know, fruitful in terms of, in terms of that fight. So that's why Bane was just sort of like, I can take these punches because he's not in his, he's not in his a game and he's not fighting like a really good fighter. And like the fights between them, they're two big fights they kind of switch the desperation in their fighting in the two fights. And then yep. Bruce Wayne is so calculated later in the movie. And so, you know, it wasn't perfect. And some of the stuff looked silly, but I just loved the sound of like the dripping water and the waterfall in the background and just the punches and just nothing else. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, watching Selena Kyle watch like feel it in fear of what was yeah. happening as Batman is just, getting destroyed yeah people think that the darkness part is great too yeah that's such a, i mean there was definitely great lines really memorable lines in there like like what's the one about you were born in the darkness or like he was like oh, you choose darkness as your ally and you, i was born in it i was molded by it. adopted the dark but i was born in it and like he yeah. takes him out of the dark and then you know so then he fucks him up and he sends him to the pit which I thought was like, I don't know if it was as effective this time when I watched it as when I originally watched it. I thought it was a little sillier. 
I was like, dude, they could just use the rope to just swing across, you know, get across those gaps or just climb like up the actual. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Something didn't work about it as well for me. How did you guys feel about the pit? Did you think it was cool? Did you think it was worth I just taking Batman out of the movie for about 45 minutes to do this pit thing? Yeah, I thought him being out of the movie was important to the movie. Um, and like the pit gave him the ability to have months of time to get himself back into Batman shape. You know, which yeah. is pretty critical to the story. Um, where I think that um, I spent a lot too much time trying to think of what I would do. I was like, well, if there's no guards, I would just spend all of our days trying to peel apart those um, cells and then use the cells to break down the walls and then use the broken down parts of the wall to build some kind of way up there. You know, like I just spent too much- build scaffolding. Yeah, like whatever. Build a fucking ladder. I spent too much time like thinking about how I would escape and not pick yeah. up the movie. I think that's probably an issue. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, you know, I think they tried to make it seem like it was a pretty inescapable prison. And then on top of that, I think Batman being put into the pit was explained really well by Bane of, I broke your body and now I'm going to break your soul. This is going to be the one thing that destroys Batman in perpetuity is his inability to do anything. And you're going to have to watch it on TV as I ruin your entire city. I uh, Did you guys think that it was believable that that type of chaos would happen without the police in the city? Do you think that people would join up with Bane quite as easily as they did? It almost relied a little bit on like um, purge logic. Like if you guys, want, I've never seen the purge movies, but you get it, right? Like one day a year, there's no laws, and then sure enough, everybody wants to kill each other. Like on that day, I think they sort of relied on that a little bit, and I don't know if I bought it totally. Jimbo, prior to January sixth, I wouldn't have believed it. Uh, yep, isn't that funny? And then January sixth happened, and I'm like, yep, that would a thousand People percent would happen. Totally do some dumbass, stupid shit. Yep. Um, How about when they killed like two whole NFL teams? What would that do to your fantasy league? It'd be fucked. And it was uh it's it's the pitch. The opening kickoff. It's yeah. the Steelers. Imagine imagine you were like down ten points and you had Heinz Ward and he returned the kickoff and got you a cool six and you're like, Oh, we're set up for success. And you like, get oh. a notification that's like Heinz Ward has fallen into a crevasse. <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> The field is destroyed. The game is over. So it is all filmed in Pittsburgh because that's where the production company is. Okay. And that's because it's owned by the owner of the Steelers. So that's why it was the Ro- yellow, black and yellow. The Rooney family is the people who own the production company, and they also own the Steelers. And they also have Rooney and Kate Mara as daughters. Yeah. Wait, is that the Giants? The Roonies and the Maras are different people, right? Maras own the Giants. The Roonies yes. own the Steelers. They're so Rooney and Kate Mara are the Giants' owners' daughters, not the Steelers' owners. No, okay. they're 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 the two families have married. I understand. Yeah, crazy. Um, so, anyways, yeah, it's the Steelers that all happens. The police, for some somehow, are surviving in the sewers for who knows how long, which is a little weird. Well, they were giving them supplies. Batman comes back though. Um, you get these court scenes, which I thought were kind of cool, with the exile and death. 
death by exile, that whole thing. Um, and you see that there's a resistance movement happening um, there with Gordon and the police. Um, I don't know if I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. Yeah, I just wonder if they could have done the movie without him somehow. Like, if they could have just written around him. It was kind of like they were trying to give you all of these little stories, um, different comic things. So there's, like, a thing where Batman gets his back broken by Bane. To happen, check. And then the guy who takes over as the new Batman is, like, violent. And he, like, shoots people. Mm -hmm. And, like, he, like, but he's wearing a Batman costume. So this guy is, like, the new hero of the town, even though he's not dressed as Batman. And he's like shooting people. And one of the scenes, he kills a couple guys with a gun. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I was like, dude, is that you had to kill both those guys? Like, I think that was that was the thing that they were hinting at. That like he is Batman right now. And yeah. he is violent because that happened. And then later in the movie, you get the thing about his name being Robin. So they're kind of like, he's kind of like Batman's sidekick. He's kind of like Robin. And then he like goes in there and it's like, is he the new Batman? Like they kind of like were like telling three comic stories all partially without really going into any of them. That's a good point. And I think it uh, and I, didn't, didn't I work. wonder if I wonder if Nolan was given direction to say this is where we want to go next. Right? This is this is where we want to take this. We realize you're done after this one, and Christian's done after this one. But we need to have something teed up, you know, for the for the future. And so they were like, let's let's we're going to uh, make this yeah. a lot about Robin towards the end. Right. And so hence the the whole like, oh, you should use your real name. I really like that, you know, um, at the end with with Robin. And so I, I don't I don't hate Joseph Gordon-Levitt as whatever he was, detective something or other. It was supposed to be Dick Grayson, but they, they went away from that. But I feel like that was more of a, uh, a studio decision to say you need to shoehorn uh, a Robin character in, which is why we have Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing this like young Robin-looking type guy. Yeah. And now you now you make the story off of that. So I think it was sort of like he was given the conclusion, you know, to the the trilogy, and he had to like kind of write backwards to get Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character into. All of the like, you know, we could we could talk about that at the end too. One thing that we haven't touched on that I thought was so so good was Marianne Cotillard's character, um, the best female character we've had in any three movies. Would you guys agree? She is just one of the best actresses, I think. Period. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, she was she was so good. I I I remember watching it the first time and being shocked with the twist. I was like, oh, I thought he had an ally here. I thought this was like another Jim Gordon, you know, for him. And for her to, it, you know, come out at the end and be like, I'm Talia Al Ghul. You know, I'm, I'm doing this for Roz. Like, I've been, you know, prepping for this. I've been pulling the strings. I thought it was like a really, really great reveal. Um, you know, for Bane to be sort of like just her servant in the end was really cool. Um, well, I, I mean, I was, I was genuinely surprised the first time and this time with that knowledge i enjoyed it let's yeah let's, never never saw it coming let's tie the thing this those pieces together from where we're at so batman comes back he saves gordon he fights a couple of henchmen and then he lights the bridge on fire somehow he got a giant batman symbol up there i kept thinking there's no way he had time to do that but i also thought that looks fucking cool and i don't care 
yeah, yeah. I was super pumped when that happened. That whole thing goes up. I was like, all right, the rest of this movie is going to be great. He buddies up with the cops who hate him and want him arrested. And you get this weird street fight scene where he flies over the cops and they cheer and he should have been flipping them off because he's, they've made his life hell for a while. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, you get a huge fight. He fights Bane. He, he is now the one who is really calculated in all of his fighting. His punches are hitting hard. He starts punching him in the mask and breaks the mask. Bane is obviously in pain. And then you see that like Bane is the muscle and Bane is smart, but he also is like, you know, kind of weak in the end and like needs Dahlia. And mm-hmm. so you get this great scene where the Joker had wanted him to kill Bane wanted him, you know, like they all wanted to break him and get him away from being this like good symbol. And he's ready to kill Bane. Like he has just real anger. And then Talia says he wasn't the one that was that got out of there as she slides the dagger between the pad. Yeah. What a moment. I thought it was great too. And then, you know, now the pit is cool again because you see that he was her protector and she was the one that made it out. You know, um, yep. I wish we had seen more of her fighting and stuff because we really didn't. We just oh, saw that. That was. Um, I wish she would have been like had some badass fighting moments almost. As Bane is, that, I think you got to. I think you got to give you got to give Nolan some credit for being able to keep that kind of like uh, under wraps throughout the entirety of the production, mm-hmm. in the sense of um, as you're watching it, you never once believed Miranda Tate was going to turn on Bruce Wayne at all until it happened and you were just blown away just a great moment then i thought it was just so wild when bane is tying the rope around his neck and stuff and i was like like what he's he's doomed like are they just Mm -hmm. kill him here like this is crazy um eventually though she leaves which is the worst mistake you can make after trying to detonate the bomb bane and Mm -hmm. him fight selena kyle comes back saves the day kills bane kind of disappointing bane death you know, he had been sort of dethroned at that point, and you, all the focus had been put to Talia at that point. So, you know, for him to just get blasted and be done, I, I guess that's it. He's gone. They go after the bomb, and they had hinted so much about the autopilot so many times. I know. And then you get him on the the in the bat. He takes the bomb. He flies it over the bay. He saves the day. It blows up. You're to think that Batman is dead. Bruce Wayne is dead. You get a little funeral scene. I thought like the wrap up of the series was a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. I like that one. Yeah. The moment he flies out over the bay from that second on, everything that they hit the rest of the way was so perfect. You get the little funeral with just the police officer with Gordon, uh, with um, Alfred. And Alfred, which was great. Yeah. Alfred's moment with the talking to the parents. And then you get the thing, the the idea that something was changed by Bruce Wayne six months ago, which was cool. And then mm-hmm. you get the best payoff, the Alfred thing from the beginning of the movie. When he goes to the place, he has the drink. He looks up. A little cafe in Florence, which personally I loved that too. Um did you guys, when you guys first watched this, do you think Batman was dead or not dead? Dead. I thought he was dead, dead too. Yep. Dead. Yep. yep. So it worked the first time. I thought he was dead. And I don't know if he, like, I think that in reality, like in, in, I think he might be dead period. I think 
that that might not oh. have been real that that happened. But that him and Selena Kyle like lived this wonderful life. Yeah, him and Catwoman got married or something in Florence. I mean, so it is a little out there, same, but it's the same thing with like Interstellar when you think about like Matthew McConaughey meeting with Murph when she's on her deathbed. Like, is that was that really happening in the movie? Can we trust the narrator? when Alfred has kind of been like the narrator through a lot of this stuff too, like, is that just his wishful thinking or did that really happen? Like kind of scenario, which I, that, no one loves to do those type of things. You know, that's really interesting. That's the, that's the very first time I haven't taken it literally. And now I'm going to rethink it a little bit. I do. I still probably lean toward it's literal, but live, but, but I just think that maybe it was just him wishing that that really happened. Yeah, that's cool. Because because that's exactly what he said. He said, my hope is that one day, uh, but the odds of that happening in the same cafe and, and all of that stuff with Selena there, kind of kind of a little dubious. I think if mm-hmm. Nolan was like three years older, what he would have done is he would have had it end where you saw Selena and you saw a guy who looked like Bruce Wayne. And then as he started to turn around, the screen went black. <laughs> you and you are absolutely totally right and i would love that. that's what he would have done if he would have waited like three more years to make that movie that's funny as hell and like you so, a little side profile but you weren't quite sure did um do you guys want to rank these movies quick let's rank one two three okay um two, not in that order. two is the best by a lot in my opinion it was one um I think I like three more than I like one, but they're very close to me and they're both very good, but pretty distant from two. Before we started, I would have said it was two, one, three. Yeah. After the rewatch, which is why we do these, it is two, three, one. Mm-hmm. That is, I agree. and I, I like one. I, but I just, I thought, I remember looking, thinking three like sucked. It doesn't suck. It was very, very fucking good. Three was great. It just came after two and it just wasn't. And, and their plan was to have the Joker in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I know. Like he, that really put a wrench in what their whole plan was. And then I still think they did a great job. It just wasn't as good as two. It wasn't as clean as two. Mm-hmm. And, and they were kind of wrapping things up and there were just, there were just scenes where I was like, this would have been done better in the second movie. And so I, yeah. it wasn't quite as good, um, but it felt more important than one by a lot. Right. I think well, one then, did one did the hardest thing, which is an origin story. I mean, they don't even do them anymore. They just skip it. Comic book movies don't even try it. It's just, it's hard to do. It's hard to be interested in it. So they're like, um, now they just introduce some full powers and do a couple flashbacks and you're good to go. Well, I think one, one also had some issues with like uh, the, the narrows and the water and the machine and all of that stuff, whereas two and three sort of like simplified everything. And even though it was like a, it was a nuclear bomb that only one guy could, you know, diffuse and all that stuff. A nuclear bomb was still something everyone could understand and relate to, right? I mean, it, everyone understands the concept of a nuclear bomb with a timer on it, right? But like the the whole thing that like it's going to extract all of the water and then the poison yeah. is going to be and like that that was a little bit silly and then like the whole the the light rail thing you know crashing like those those ending scenes didn't play all that well but the way that they did two and three were much a a much different 
um, approach in terms of practical effects versus like the bad guys and all that stuff. And like it teed up like the, the Bane uh, Batman fight scene at the end, the, the double cross and then the ultimate payoff at the end, which they never really described. Like he, he couldn't really breathe with a knife in him, but then it was somehow okay. Like 10 minutes later. Um, and there was some, there was some silly stuff in that, but um, overall, I think the, the movie stayed more true to like what a comic book um movie should look like versus one where it was like a little bit far-fetched like even far-fetched for comic book movies dude i i totally agree and one thing that i loved about the three was that it wasn't based in all these like random gangsters like all oh, the random yeah. gangsters with the bad guys they're all they all look exactly the same they all have the same accent i can't I even tell them apart the same i thought that um Maroney and whoever the other one was or whatever the fuck and Maroney I thought that they were the same person in both movies I was like oh no they're both different crime families that he took down I didn't even know and honestly that stuff like I'm so glad they went away from that and just had like a much more straightforward easy to understand story in the third one of like dude super villain versus superhero let's fucking go I liked that a lot it was a breath of fresh air after the first two um it wasn't a superhero mixing it up with the just gritty real world. It was, I don't know. It, I, I, mean, I had, enjoyed that. You had the Joker as a buffer between the the gangster world and Batman, right? Which played perfectly. He was robbing banks. He was, yeah. you know, he was just a freaky gangster. But you had him as like the like the exposition for all the stuff that you could consider silly, right? Because if the Joker's doing it he has his reasons and we don't have to ask questions about those. Right. Um, but with the third one, they just decided, like you said, uh, super villain versus Batman and let's go, let's go, let's go to town. And he's got some, uh, some help. And then there's a double cross and that's where he ended up at the end. And I loved it. I know. I, I love this movie. I, I know that his love interest was Miranda in the movie, but yeah, it turns into Selena, at least to some degree. And I will say, I thought that it was going to be hard to replace Rachel in real time when they killed her off, but it wasn't. Selena Kyle was so much better than Rachel. Yeah, Selena, and we should give props to Anne Hathaway for doing a great job. I thought really good. great. Captivating, beautiful, looked cool in the suit, believable. I liked all, all her stuff. I thought she did, she, did, she did such a good job with the, like, um, the scene with the senator in the bar in uh you know the the depths of gotham where she started screaming like oh my god and then she'd like walk around the corner and be like uh like roll her eyes like uh yeah. this is so stupid i can't believe That's i'm here literally how i imagine Anne hathaway as an actor all the time as a person <laughs> just acting all the time <laughs> like when she does her like acceptance speech she's acting she's fake as fuck all right you know what's funny i did watch a a, a real quick story uh Jimmy Fallon interviewed her recently and she goes by Annie, like in real life. Yeah. She's like, everyone yeah. calls me Annie. She's like, when I, when I hear Anne, I sometimes don't respond because I don't go by Anne. I go by Annie. And I was like, that's fucking weird. <laughs> that's annoying. <laughs> Bizarre. She sucks. Okay. All right, we got to figure out this week a new one. So we'll chat. We'll let you guys know this week what we're going to do for our next rewatch. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this one. I thought this one besides, 
I mean, Marvel and Harry Potter were probably more fun, but this one was up there. I really enjoyed this is, it. This is up there. This is maybe more fun than Lord of the Rings, and that's probably the order. Yeah, I really liked it, and I really had a good time. I was excited to watch these. Um, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I got to fit that movie in at some point. I mean, Die Hard will forever be the best we did, but. Uh... <laughs> especially, die, especially Die Hard 2. Back to the Future 2 was so good. Um, um, yeah, let's. So I think when we think about what we're going to do, we need to make sure that the general consensus is good because going down the roads of like Die Hard and Back to the Future of like the nostalgia factor does not play well in a rewatch uh, discussion that we're trying to coalesce here. So I think. Maybe we should discuss with the listeners yeah. and say, if we eliminate Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, etc., what is the next thing that we, we should rewatch? They're all going to say Fast and the Furious. And they all, they're not. They're all going to say Star Wars, which we know we have in the bag. And we will hold it. We will hold on to Star Wars. We're not going to do it yet. We want to do it leading up to new Star Wars movies. Yeah, and so agree. I think we should do Star Wars next summer. Okay. Like right. June and July. Next. But we could do Bond. We could do Bourne. We could do Sherlock. We could do blah, blah, blah. We got a lot of, lot of options. I love all those. I know. <laughs> all right, guys. That's it. That's all the time we have this week on the Nordies Podcast. Thanks for listening. Go back, check out our sports cast, and let us know what rewatch you want us to do next. Until next week, thank you guys for listening to the Nordies Podcast. 